may be seated. Today we have the opportunity to listen to George the Shoeman Hutchings, and he's going to speak with us and tell us how, how we can make a difference with the people in Africa with the shoes we wear. So uh, we can give him a round of applause. And uh, he told me that he's trying to decide whether he wants to be a preacher or a riverboat gambler. Now can you hear me? Hey, uh, now I need to do my punchline again. Anyway, I'm going to tell you about how the shoe man came to be and uh, what we're doing. We'll show you a, a, a three-and-a-half-minute video, and I'm going to show a few slides from a PowerPoint. But the story began back in 1967 on October the 12th. I was in the Quang Thu jungle of Vietnam, and uh, we were attacked by an enemy force three times our size and 134 Marines were killed on that hill that night. And the firing st started at 5 o'clock and didn't stop till midnight. And my orders were to take the top of the hill, but the major battle was at the bottom of the hill. And uh, at midnight, everything stopped. I dug a foxhole, and my friend there dug, a, dug in with me. And then it began to rain. And as hot as it had been, and as desperate as things had been, I could see to the bottom of the hill, and I could see the grenades going off. The, um, I could see the muzzle flashes. I could hear our men saying, we're being overrun. And uh, uh, then everything stopped. Delta Company came in. Oh, it was a funny thing. Um, we had to have passwords, but we didn't have passwords. And the enemy could enter, enter uh, they could imitate our voices. And so somebody yelled out, who won the World Series? And I said, who's got a newspaper? And some wag said, Jack Buck just announced that the St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series. He, he had a transistor radio list, the Armed Forces Radio. I said, Thanks a lot. And um, anyway, the cheers went up. And at midnight then, we dug in, and it started to rain. And as hot as it had been, and our, our tongue swelled up like cotton, we had no, no uh, water, no nothing. And uh, now it became cold, and we were sleeping in a hole full of water. I urinated down my leg to get warm. It didn't work. In the morning, I told my friend, don't drink the water. He said, I did the same thing. So anyway, on the Friday the 13th, not a round was fired. But on the 14th, I was wringing my sock out, trying to take care of my feet. And uh, I got the order to go to the bottom of a hill on a water detail. And I, uh, I'm grumbling and cussing like a good Marine. And uh, Corporal Vice, he's the only person who had ever mentioned Jesus to me. He may have been cursing at the time, but anyway, I, I thought he must have been a Christian. And... He said, George, I'll go for you. I said, uh, you don't have to do that. There's just some things the Marines has to cuss about. And he went in my place before I could get my boot on, and he was hitting the chest with a rocket. And all we found left was his head and his boots. And I saw his body, and I knew that I had been placed in a pocket of protection because God had something for me to do in my later age. And now I'm doing what God has, 
has spared my life to do. Now, in 1973, uh, I, I, I was so guilty of sin, I couldn't, I, I couldn't keep my head right, and these folks invited me to a Baptist church. I said, I can't go to your church with you. I, I'm a Catholic. He said, well, we got the best preacher west of the Mississippi, and I'd never heard a good preacher before, and I, was, I wanted to hear him. And so I went, and I sat on the back, back row, and uh, so nobody would see me. And they passed out these things called visitor's cards and said, do you want a pastoral visit, yes or no? So if I check yes, that's a mortal sin for me. So I, I put my thumb on the yes. I closed my eyes. I checked it yes. I threw it into the offering plate and called it an accident. Because if, if you sin and it's an accident, it's not a sin, right? And, uh, well, Monday night came around, and he knocked on my door. I looked at the porthole, and there it was, 250 pounds. I turned the light off and sat down. My wife said, what are you doing? I said, shh, the preacher's at the door. She said, well, didn't you invite him? I was caught. So I said, just a minute, preacher, and I went back in the bedroom and got my necktie on because I was going to meet the reverend. And so I went and opened the door, and he came in. I offered him a stogie. He, he said, no thanks. I offered him a Budweiser. He said, no thanks. And uh, I said, well, what do, you do? what do you drink? He said, George, I just came to ask you one question. He said, if you were to die today, do you know if you'd go to heaven? And I began to cry, and I said, I've been wanting to know that for a long time. And so that night, uh, he took me through the Romans Road plan of salvation, and, and it came down to whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I changed my coffee table there into an altar, and I knelt, I knelt down and prayed and asked Christ to come into my heart. And I cried for about an hour over all the sins. And then I, I got up. I said, God's called me to preach. He said, well, you haven't been baptized. You haven't joined the church. You haven't gone to college. You haven't. I said, I don't care. God's called me to preach. And uh, so I went to church the next Sunday and got baptized and uh, started going to college and started preaching. I tried a lot of things uh, in life. And they were good building blocks. He would put me something small in front of me, and I would obey and go do that. And then he would put something else in front of me, and I would do that. And if you're faithful in small things, he will trust you with larger things. But if he can't trust you with small things, he can never trust you with larger things. And so now I was putting uh, students through college, and a Kenya man came my way, and uh, he said, um, I'm, out of, I'm almost out of status. I don't have any money. My money has been embezzled from me from a, a lady from Kenya. And so I said, John, you have so many problems. And he's thinking, I'm, I know I have problems. I went to the wrong man. And after about a minute or two of quietness, I said, but you have a God who is bigger than your problems. And he jumped up and down, and I took him on the speaking circuit. We got him reinstated. Everything was going well. And every time I'd give him money to eat on, he would send a pair of shoes home. And so 
said, John, why are you doing that? I, this is money for you to eat with. He said, well, my mom doesn't have any shoes. My daddy doesn't have any shoes. My brother, my sister, my village, they don't have any shoes. And I'm in rich America. They expect me to help. I said, John, you may be in rich America, but you're not rich. And I'm feeding you, so you, you, you need to eat on that. And uh, so we, uh, I was invited to go to Kenya on a mission trip. And I looked across. I, I told the folks, no, I don't want to go. Uh, in fact, and I go back to 72, and when I asked the Lord to save me, I said, I'll go with you anywhere you want me to go except Africa. I'm not going. You cannot make a deal with the Lord. Where, where have I spent the last 10, 12 years? Of my life? Africa, yeah. So um, anyway, um, we're, we, we shipped 30,000 pounds of shoes. He collected them. Got a little right up in the post dispatch, collected the shoes, and he brought me down to the warehouse one night, and he showed me 30,000 pounds of shoes that he had collected in white polyurethane bags. He said, I collected them, now you got to ship them. And so then I said, hmm, well, I went to see my two good uh, uh, friends, Mr. MasterCard and Mr. Visa, and we shipped those shoes over and gave them the orphans and refugees. And you know what? Those two guys, they keep wanting to come back to see me every month. I, I'm not that close to them. I'm not that endeared to them. But they keep making this cycle every month. And so um, anyway, uh, he was killed on, well, one year we shipped 30,000 pounds of shoes to Kenya, gave them the orphans and refugees. Next year, 21,000 meals. We fed the orphans and refugees. I was unhappy both times because, you see, there was still a nation without shoes. I was happy, unhappy because the kids were hungry the next day. Then I, we took a team of neurosurgeons over that did over 100 surgeries on children's heads. I was unhappy because there was still a nation of sick people. Uh, we did something major every year, major for us, because we're small time. But uh, he was murdered in 2000, and every, everything I did was a stopgap. Then in 2007, he was murdered running for a member of parliament. And uh, so I thought, okay, my time in Kenya is over. And in March of 08, I go to Living Waters International in Houston, Texas, and I learned how to drill for water. And on my way back, I'm sitting over the jet engine. Everything is blotted out. All I can hear is my thoughts and what God's saying to me. He said, George, you've been working with people for 10 years that don't have any water. You've seen the cholera. You've seen the diarrhea. And now you know how to drill for water. So now you have a measure of responsibility because with knowledge comes a responsibility. If, if, if you don't know what your calling is, just be still because Got to put it right in front of you, and uh, then, then you become accountable for what you're supposed to do. So then I, I priced wells, and they were going to cost $30,000, and, and I didn't have $30,000. But I went to see the man who had helped me with the shoes, and he said he would uh, pay me $0.35 cents a pound for the shoes. So I needed 100,000 pairs of shoes in a way between August the 1st and December the 31st. So I made a cut-and-paste flyer 
and I took it around to the Parkway School Districts. One lady said, I like this. I turn you shoes into drinking water, and you're taking them to Kenya. You're putting shoes on people's feet. And uh, so she had a shoe drive, emailed all of her friends, and we did not get 100,000 pairs of shoes. We got 156,000 pairs of shoes. And don't I get a hand for that? Yeah, there you go. If you don't laugh at my corny jokes, I'll ask you to. And if you don't, I'll just ask you to applause. Well, a woman called me, and only a woman can give a, a coupon like this. I was about to order a rig at $19,000. And this woman called me and she said, check out Hydrofab. And so I did. Same equipment, $16,000. Then, a little bit later, at the bottom of the webpage, it said $9,600. Limited time only. So I called Charlotte, and she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm turning you shoes into drinking water. I, I get my shoes, I export them, I sell them to an exporter, and then he takes them to roadside shoe stands all through Africa, and people are able to buy shoes for pennies, on the dollar. So uh, she said, well, I like what you do, so I'll sell you the first one at 96, the second one at 76, and I'll donate a third. Only a woman can do something like that for you. Now, give yourselves a hand, ladies. Well, with that, we've dug over, with those wells, with those rigs, we've dug over 200 wells, and we're providing water for about 200,000 people. At, since that time. Now, uh, I'll, I'll take you on a little tour on my PowerPoint presentation, and then I'll show you a movie and we'll tie it up. Uh, you got the PowerPoint going? Uh, you see this guy up here? We named him Jacob, and I wrote a little story about him, a little song. I see Jacob standing in a dried-up riverbed, two empty jugs and a look on his head. Look at the kids behind him no shoes, and they pick up parasites and worms, mites through the their bottom of their feet. And Jacob is in school. It's called a water walk. He has to walk until he finds water, get those jugs full, carry them back, and then he has to do it again. And look on his face. He, does your wife or your husband ever talk to you or your mom and dad talk to you in a nonverbal way and you know exactly what they mean. My mother used to come over to me and give me the dirty eye. And I knew that meant do the dishes. And my dad used to say, he'd give me the dirty eye, not saying words. That meant get the books. And now my wife gives me the dirty eye. That means vacuum the sofa, vacuum the rug. And uh, so we speak to each other that way all the time. And he's looking at me. And he's saying, are you going to help me or are you going to drive on by? Folks, I've always wanted to be a participant in life. I've never wanted to be a spectator in life. In high school, I wanted to play base basketball. I didn't want to watch it. I wanted to play baseball. I didn't want to watch it. And in the game of life, I want to be a participant rather than a spectator. And uh, so I said, okay, I'll find a way to help. Next pick. Uh, oh, on the trip over to Kenya, I met President Carter, and he 
came around and shook hands with everybody in the accounting class. He got to me, and I stood up and said, Hello, Jimmy, I voted for you the first time. <laughs> he went, <clears throat> next pick. Uh, this is how we shipped the, those are 500-pound boxes called Gaylords. So I climbed up there on top to be the king of the hill. And then when I, because I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps. At 19, I was big and strong, and my mind still thinks I'm there. And then I jumped down on that lower one, and I just rolled out and popped my knee on the, on the concrete. Um, I, you know, my, 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 my mind thinks I'm still 19, but my body cash, can't cash those checks. The next pick, that's a roadside shoe stand where the shoes end up, and then they, uh, people with no shoes... Or they, they come here and buy these for a penny on, on the dollar, or they also uh, barter things for them. Next pick. Uh, these kids, we had candy for them, but they didn't want our candy. They wanted our bottled water. We tried to drill for them, but we drilled straight down into granite, and my rigs were not made for the granite. And we busted off a hammer and went straight down the hole, we had to pay $5,500 to get another one, but we never completed their well. And the year went on. For Last year was the worst drought they had in 60 years. The whole town had to move and follow the water. Then it rains and they come back. Someone else is living there. Whose property is it? Next pick. Uh, these kids are naked as a jaybird, and they've been taking a bath down here in the water. And we drove by right there on the road. I said, stop and back up. So we did. And they had been taken. I don't know about you, but when I take a bath or a shower, I want a little bit of privacy. And they're right there by the road. And uh, so they, uh, uh, after they took their bath, they drank the water. Next pick. Uh, the, the other guy that I, the first three rigs I took over, I donated them to Water for Kenya because they had more infrastructure. But they spoke down to their people. They had, people had no shirts. They had no shoes, ragged pants. And I said, well, if I'm in charge of my own drilling company, everybody's going to have what they need. So they got good pants, a good shoe man shirt, uh, hard hat, glasses, uh, uh, gloves, and steel tips. And when they get hurt, I pay their medical bill. Next bit. Uh, that's some of the drilling. Yeah, that's some drilling going on. And yeah, keep going. Uh, here's a good story. We finished our third well for a hospital that had never had water before, and it's time to have a celebration. And so when you celebrate in Kenya, you got to kill the goat, and you roast him up. Yeah, and so we did, and we're ready to go through and eat, but my men are still out on the rig. And uh, they asked me to go through first, and I said, no, I do not eat without my men. So they came in, they went through the line, and then they went outside to eat with the dogs. I said, no, my men never eat with the dogs. They eat at my table, bring the dogs in, and we'll throw them a bone. Human justice, Christianity in action, taking care of people the way 
you would like to be taken care of. Let's go to the movie now. Can we uh, skip through to that? I know you've seen it before, but did you like? Now, I want to make an application for you. Remember Corporal Bice, who died at my place so that I would, because I would have a, a job to do in my old age? What am I doing now? I'm going after the boot, and I'm going after the water. It's what God has called me to do. I'm just a shoe man. Uh, and when I said there's water that's not in the well, that's Jesus, the fountain of living water. And we use our humanitarian aid to gain weight for our words so that when we begin to talk to them, we don't, they don't think of us as rich Americans come out and tell them how to live and then go back home. They listen to us attentively so they can hear the Word of God. Now, maybe there are people here t tonight. Your life isn't right with God, and you're not enjoying the things that you should be. You can get right with God by standing up, saying a sinner's prayer, and saying, Lord, forgive me. Remember me when you go into your kingdom. You can say, Lord, I want to be right with you. I want to follow you in your direction. You can't be a shoe man. You can't be the pastor. But God has some exciting role for you to play. We have a wonderful lady in my home church named Gloria Rowdy. She sends everybody a birthday card, a Thanksgiving card, a Christmas card, and that's her ministry. But you can feel the love of that person coming right through her. God has something special for you to do. And it begins by accepting Christ as your Savior. He is a free gift. Just as Christ died in my place, or just as Bice died in my place, Corp just as Corporal Bice has died in my place, Christ has also died in my place and now gives me a free gift of eternal life. 